Ladies and gentlemen, we're expecting some moderate turbulence. Please remain seated and enjoy the show. Hello. And welcome to Moderate Turbulence. I'm Jeremy. I'm Adele. Hello, Adele. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Good. How's How Roxy? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How's Roxy doing? She's good. She's good. She's very crusty looking because <laughs> she's been chewing on her like rawhide chewy thing. So, yeah. <laughs> but she's still here. As soon as we uh, sat down to record, she sauntered over because she always wants to be included. She knows where, where she's supposed to be right now, right? Good girl, Roxy. Good girl. Uh, so, how we doing? What's new? I don't think anything is new. We're still in Vancouver, still training. Um, we're well into this phase of initial that we're training. Fa- yep. uh, phase eight. Phase eight, officially. It's the fifth one in a row for us, though, for our team. Yeah. Uh, and we're just starting week three, actually. We're going in to teach uh, right after this, uh, right after we record this today. And... Um, yeah, so far my class doesn't know about the podcast, which at least not that I know of. So yeah, usually they it's around told you yet. Yeah, it's around week three when someone makes a comment about, oh yeah, what's your favorite type of turbulence? Yeah. Um they've they usually find out about the two of us dating very early on because they Google us and they find our Facebooks. However, the <laughs> podcast, they tend to tell Jeremy very quickly that they once found they find it. it, yeah. So and, who knows? Yeah. And over the weekend, while we were out walking Roxy, we ran into a few of my participants. So we'll see if they figure it out or not. <laughs> yeah, that your dog is being walked by me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's actually um, something that we did that was fun this weekend. We both took a little plane to Victoria. A little plane. A Q400. Yeah. <laughs> well, a littler, littler plane than, than we're used we to yeah. operate usually or than we even teach about. <laughs> So my dad was in town. Well, he's still in town, but that was a day that uh, coincided with our schedules. So I was able to visit with my dad, my uncle, and my aunt out in Victoria. We had a lovely day, went to this town called Sydney or yeah, Sydney by the Sea. Yeah, depending. it's really close to the airport in, uh, mm-hmm. well, the Victoria airport. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a lovely lunch, walked around, it was a beautiful day, mm-hmm. um, just had a lovely time and uh yeah the it was different to be on a smaller plane um like s- sort of the same airline but not really so we don't we don't operate these planes yeah. like it's ourselves the, re- the regional portion of our airline and um 11 minute flight from Vancouver to Victoria which is just a, a quick little quick little hop five yeah. we went to 5000 feet on the way there and 4000 feet on the way home or something like that yeah, but the you might wonder, why did we fly? You know, we have a car here and things like that. We definitely looked into driving because then we could have maybe stayed overnight, brought Roxy, you know, things like that. However, we didn't realize how crazy expensive the ferry is. <laughs> I know, Roxy, I know. Um, she wasn't a fan of the price <laughs> of the ferry. Yeah. You said it was $200 one way? Yeah, something like that. For two people and a car, it was upwards of that. And um, the horror stories we heard of people waiting two to three hours with your car just to get on a ferry was like a whole other portion of it all. Yes. And then, of course, it would be a three-hour drive or deal to get to Victoria. So what we did was the simplest thing ever. We got to the airport, boarded our flight within 20, 20 minutes-ish, yeah. then 
the very short flight, yeah, maximum 15 minutes in the air, get to Victoria, visit it, and then same thing coming back. Uh, we were able to get on an early fl- early, earlier flight that we originally planned on, and it just worked out perfectly, got back to Vancouver, and then exited right away. Like, we spent less than an hour in the airport. Airports in total, yeah. On that day, which was perfect we even saw michelle so shout out to michelle because she was working and yeah so that was like our little weekend getaway of course we didn't get away from um aviation and then we even had lunch in front of the aviation museum uh yeah just in sydney there yeah right by the airport was it in sydney at that point i think it's still considered sydney i'm not 100 what was the restaurant called mary's mary's blue moon cafe yeah it was excellent the food was great it was quite good. And we sat outside. It was wonderful. We didn't go to the aviation museum, but we were right in front. Yeah. yeah. So we saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was our little weekend. And now we'll get into today's episode. All right. Uh, so what's our plan for today? Today's podcast. I don't know, Jeremy. What is it? Uh, today we're <laughs> going to talk about the history of flight attendants. I think that'd be kind of a fun one. Interesting. Yeah. We haven't done an episode like that, which is... Kind of odd because it it sounds very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I did some research and uh, and I wrote a little script here. So we're going to follow that and chime in whenever you want with if you have any questions or things like that. All right, let's do it. All right. So the first line I wrote here is today we're going to talk about the history of the flight attendant. So we'll discuss the origin of the role, what prompted various titles, the truth behind the first flight attendants being nurses and more. So long before air travel, people would travel long distances by... Boat. Exactly, by boat. It was here where the first stewards on a moving vehicle gained their title. Stewards aboard ships were responsible for dining arrangements and generally taking care of passengers. As naval travel grew, so did the roles and responsibilities of the stewards. And then we now had a head steward, which was also called a purser. So next, after travel by boat, the best way to get... Uh, to, to travel long distances on land was by train. So on board, we would find stewards in charge of various parts of the train, including in dining cars, sleeping cars, lounge cars. And again, responsibilities included everything from checking tickets, assisting passengers with boarding, upkeep of the cleanliness of the train cars, and of course, service of food and beverages. So far, so good? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first ever position of a flight attendant belonged to a German man named Heinrich Kubis. K-U-B-I-S. Am I pronouncing that okay? Kubis, yeah. Kubis. Uh, this was in 1912. So Kubis worked as the attendant who would tend to the 20-passenger airship, the LZ-10 Schwaben, often cited as the first commercially successful passenger airship. I'm not saying airplane. I'm saying airship. Because the LZ-10 Schwaben was a Zeppelin, which operated from 1911 until its destruction in 1912. You're looking at me weird. Well, I'm just looking at you. (laughs) It was a Zeppelin, so essentially like a blimp. But that's actually a way that passengers traveled way back in the day. Did you know, fun fact, this isn't part of my script, that uh, the Empire State Building actually had a portion at the very top of the tower where it could accept airships to park so people could disembark there interesting but (laughs) that's not a thing anymore when's the last time you saw people traveling by blimp (laughs) we see blimps all the time (laughs) that's usually for sporting events not so much for 
actually getting from point A to point B. We have more efficient ways of doing that now. Uh, so Kubis was also aboard the famous Hindenburg during its fateful final flight and subsequent destruction. He survived the Hindenburg disaster by jumping from the crippled airship once it was close enough to the ground. And everyone knows the Hindenburg. You know, we've all seen the Led Zeppelin, you know, photo of the Hindenburg going down. Yeah. Have we? I don't know. If I saw it, I'd probably be recognizing it. But off the top of my head, I can't picture it. I'll see. I'll see if I can add a picture uh, when we post this to YouTube. So if you want to see pictures like that, you're going to have to check out Moderate Turbulence on YouTube as well. All right. So throughout the 1920s, several aviation companies would employ what they called cabin boys or stewards on board. Again, they would primarily take care of passengers and serve food. Now, in 1930, registered nurse Ellen Church was hired by what is now United Airlines. She was the first female flight attendant, and she envisioned nurses to serve aboard aircraft. Other airlines adopted this as well and hired nurses to be stewardesses. Some airlines would adopt the name air hostess, which you actually still hear today, primarily in Europe, I'd say, when people ask, oh, air hostess, are you an air hostess? I'm like, I still hear stewardess as well. Stewardess as well. And I mean, a lot of my friends teased me when I first got hired saying, oh, Jeremy, you're a stewardess. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Um, So females quickly replaced males on board and were now being selected more for their physical appearance and their physical characteristics. So I'm just taking a quote here from Wikipedia. It's a 1936 New York Times article which describes the requirements to be a stewardess. So direct quote here. The girls who qualify for hostesses must be petite, weigh 100 to 118 pounds, height of 5 feet to 5 feet 4 inches, age 20 to 26 years. Add to that the rigid physical examination each must undergo four times every year, and you are assured of the bloom that goes with perfect health. The bloom that goes with perfect That's a direct quote from 1936. (laughs) Now, 30 years later, in 1966, here's another New York Times. It was in the New York Times, but this was a classified ad for Eastern Airlines. Again, this is 30 years later. So now we're in the, the mid to late 60s. And I quote, A high school graduate, single, widows and divorcees with no children considered, 20 years of age, girls 19 and a half may apply for future consideration, 5 foot 2 but no more than 5 foot 9, weigh 105 to 135 in proportion to height and have at least 20-40 vision without glasses. That's a classified ad in 1966. Crazy, eh? The requirement to be a registered nurse slowly faded and was pretty much non-existent, and that was because of World War II, because many nurses joined the military nurse corps. It was required for women to remain single, and they would have their employment terminated should they decide to get married. They also could be terminated once they reached a certain age. So depending on the airline, it was usually 32 or 35, and they could not exceed weight regulations. Now, through a series of legislations brought upon by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, many of these regulations were changed or abolished outright, including the restriction to hire only females, as well as the no marriage rule, and finally, the weight restrictions. Some of these were only overturned throughout the 80s and the 90s. Airlines still require, to this day, medicals to ensure that flight attendants can carry out their required duties. We're just going to pause for a second here, and as (laughs) Roxy's walking around... You may continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
uh, like I said, they, we still undergo medicals when we're first hired, and that's to make sure that we can carry out our duties. Many airlines also have height requirements, our airline included, and that's to be sure that flight attendants can reach certain safety equipment. So today, flight attendants around the world are trained as safety professionals. I can quote a former student of mine who said, and this was just as she finished initial flight attendant training, she said, I thought this training was going to be chill, and she didn't realize how intense the training would be. So nowadays, flight attendants are trained for firefighting. We're trained to locate a potential source of fire, the different classes and associated extinguishing agents. We're trained on first aid, different situations involving wounds, controlling bleeding, choking emergencies for adults, children, and infants, CPR, and the use of the AED. We're trained for evacuation. We're trained for critical thinking to ensure all aircraft occupants safely evacuate during an emergency within how many seconds? That's what I always ask my students. 90 seconds. Excellent. Post-evacuation survival, what to do following an evacuation to ensure survival. Ditching survival, what to do on a slide raft after we've landed on water, up to and including instructions for being winched to a helicopter. Knowledge and differences amongst all aircraft in their specific fleet. Uh, at our airline, we learn seven different classes of aircraft. Um and basically, no two aircraft are identical in everything from interphone handsets to the arming and disarming of the aircraft doors. And of course, we deal with difficult passengers and we learn how to do that, especially diffusing challenging situations. And finally, after all that safety and emergency, serving food and beverages, <laughs> general customer service. So the role of the flight attendant has evolved from what used to be stewards on naval ships to trains, to blimps, to now aircraft and what we see aboard here. Who knows what the future of the flight attendant will hold? Wow, that's very interesting. I knew some of that, but yeah, I didn't know the like exact origin of our profession. So that's really interesting. And I'm sad I didn't know that like before, you know, like we should have done this episode way, yeah. way earlier, but you know. Now we know. <laughs> now we know. Uh, and it's really interesting. So the term flight attendant itself was adopted several years ago now. And it's more, it was used as a gender neutral term rather than steward or stewardess. It's just flight attendant, just a, a general term. <laughs> and that's, I think, the most popular term around the world nowadays for our profession. Yeah, because I also feel sometimes people get offended if they're called an air hostess or a stewardess. I feel like that's looked down upon or a way of saying our profession without like from people who don't really know i've i feel like i've heard that like people get offended or somewhat like put off when they hear stewardess or air hostess when describing their job yeah as opposed to flight attendant although and like i said in europe it's it's more or less accepted as as the term for a flight attendant air host or air hostess that's you just hear it more often there i find yeah perhaps but i feel it's stewardess we definitely don't hear but the origin isn't a bad word but like the profession has definitely evolved into what it is now because yeah, yeah if uh, we were going off those uh, criteria, I wouldn't meet most of those. <laughs> yeah, me either. Well, when I was hired, I did, but uh, that was yeah, when something I was pounds hired, ago. <laughs> when I was hired, I mean, I'm still not married. I still don't have kids. I definitely don't wait, meet the weight restrictions, though. Oh, but you're not 32 yet, though, so you're okay. <laughs> but the second one was until 26. 
Yeah, uh, like originally, it was back in like the 30s up until 26, and then they relaxed it. So depending on the airline, 32 or 35 years old. Yeah. And then, oh, nope, you're too old, out. But I'm borderline too tall for that first one because it's five foot to five foot four. So I'm the top of that. (laughs) But it's interesting because, yeah, in our airline, if you're five foot, you may not be able to reach like the top of some overhead bins or things like that. So you might not be able to make the cut. Yeah, we actually do what's called a reach test. So if you're sort of borderline when it comes to height, uh, we have to go. I I used to do them in Toronto uh, when I was working out there. And we had to make sure that we could reach certain certain equipment. Um, So we had a couple different tests designed for that. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, that was very fun. If you're watching or listening, let us know if you knew any of this. Um, If you had an idea of where even the word comes from or the evolution of our job. And, you know, drop a comment on YouTube. Say hi. This is our second episode that Mm -hmm. we've recorded. Um, So hopefully you can join us on here. Um, Jeremy always links the the YouTube under the episode wherever you listen to it. Um, and then make sure you subscribe and share because that's how we can grow this podcast. Yeah. And if you're traveling right now, always make sure you're nice to your flight attendants because they might have to save your butt one day. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, good girl. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Moderate Turbulence on Instagram, at Mod Turbulence on Twitter, and follow us individually on Instagram at Huffy J and at La Delvi. Thank you.